Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Daily Daf Differently. I'm Jeremy Tabak, and today we're studying Yevamot, Daf Dalet, page 4. How should we go about learning the law from the Torah? Today's Daf contains a fascinating discussion as to the function and extent of literary methods in Midrash Halakha in deriving the rabbinic law from the biblical text. If you've ever got early to a traditional morning service, or read the introduction to the Midrashic collection, the Sifra, then you may have come across the Baraita of Rabbi Ishmael, and his 13 principles of how to derive the law from the Torah's minutiae. They sound like very technical, legal, textual techniques. The famous Kalva Homer is mentioned, an inference from a minor case to a major case, along with other highlights like Klalufrat, a general principle followed by examples is assumed to be limited to those examples, and so on. This makes it sound like the process of Midrash Halakha is as follows. 1. I start with the Torah. 2. I put the Torah into my Midrash Halakha machine, where all these principles reside. 3. I crank the handle to my Midrash machine. And 4. Out pops the law, ready to be codified in the Mishnah. This is the process that Tanaim are arguing about in today's Daf. This section begins on the previous page, 3b. A direct question is asked on our Mishnah. How do we know that one man's wife's sister is exempt from leveret marriage when the wife's sister's husband dies as the Mishnah taught? The Gemara proves this with a long baraita, which does not concern us here except in broad strokes. What it comes down to is that we have two conflicting laws that have to be harmonized. One, Leviticus 18, forbids a husband from marrying his wife's sister in addition to his wife. 2. Deuteronomy 25 requires men to marry their relatives' wives when their relative dies. So, in our corner case of a wife-sister's husband who dies, how will we mediate this contradiction? We have one negative prohibition, love in Aramaic, forbidding marrying a wife-sister, and one positive commandment, say, requiring you to maintain the genealogical line of your relative or to perform the chalitza ceremony. The Gemara then entertains the possibility of a general rule to resolve this contradiction, that an assay takes precedence over a love. Is this true? It seems the answer is yes. But we have another example of exactly the same situation, where Deuteronomy 22 both forbids the combination of wool and linen in garments, shatnez, and in the very next verse requires that tzitzit be worn, which, according to numbers, have to be made of linen, i.e. if the garment is wool, the love of Shatnez will be transgressed while the assay of tzitzit is being performed. And yet, what's the solution? That the assay, wearing tzitzit, takes precedence over the love, Shatnez. So, our idea is supported. However, there is one part of this proof that tzitzit supersedes Shatnez that is a little shaky. Can we prove this simply from having adjacent verses, called in rabbinic Hebrew, smichut? How do we know that utilizing smichut is good enough proof for deriving law. 
Rabbi Elazar, or Rabbi Yochanan, in the parallel in Brachot 10a, gives the answer from a verse in Psalm 111 that indeed, yes, smichut is a good enough technique for deriving law. The fact that the laws of Shatnez and Tzitzit are adjacent is enough to know that the law of Tzitzit overrides the law of Shatnez, and thus any assay overrides any love. Everything so far seems to be in order. We are discussing Midrashic techniques and whether they are good enough for making halakha, whether they are worthy of being added to our machine. This is all very much in line with the approach recommended by the writer of Rabbi Ishmael. But that's not the end of the story. The Gemara brings a writer on the top of our daf, recasting a discussion in the Mechilta on Parashat Mishpatim, recording a dispute between Ben Azai and Rabbi Yehuda. The argument is about how to derive the punishment meted out to sorcerers. The Torah says in Exodus 22, verse 17, you shall not let a sorceress live. But it doesn't specify how the court is to kill them. Ben Azai uses smichut to prove that the punishment should be stoning. The very next verse, verse 18, records that the crime of bestiality is punishable by death, and he understands that such a person should be stoned. Therefore, the punishment for being a sorcerer is also stoning. This is classic smichut. But Rabbi Yehuda has a strikingly emotional response. Quote, And just because one subject is adjacent to another, shall we take out that one, the sorcerer, to be stoned? He seems to be objecting to the very method that Ben-Azai used. How can we decide on a type of capital punishment based on totally unrelated topics, such as bestiality and sorcery, just because they happen to be consecutive laws? His approach is totally different. Leviticus 20 verse 27 says that mediums should be stoned. One can assume that mediums are in the same category as sorcerers, therefore the sorcerer should be stoned because of the type of crime it is. Magic is punishable by stoning, according to Rabbi Yehuda. It happens that bestiality is also punishable by stoning, but that is totally irrelevant to the subject of magic. Rather than blindly follow Midrashic principles, Rabbi Yehuda uses his reasoning to see that two cases are alike in form and subject matter, not just in textual placement. Law, according to Rabbi Yehuda, is to be decided on common sense, not, or not exclusively, on our Midrash machine. It's important to note that neither sage disagrees about the final result. No one in this Baraita claims that either sorcerers should be killed in some other way, though see the Mechilta parallel, or shouldn't be killed at all. The argument is about method, not about result. One could argue that this puts significant limits on the power of using reasoning to derive law. But Rabbi Yehuda only does so in this case because he knows that the law will not change. But I think there are clues in the Baraita itself and in the context of the Gemara that strongly suggest the opposite. That Rabbi Yehuda believes, according to the Gemara's representation of him here, that reasoning is much more important than methods such as smichut. Firstly, his angry outburst at the beginning of his argument. It doesn't sound like he's saying, given we can, in this case, derive the law with reason, let's do so. Nor does it sound like smichut is a bad method for halakha, but other methods are correct. He probably could have gone into using another midrashic method if he wanted, such as a hekesh, using similar words and phrases, as is done in the mechilta I mentioned before, and in the Yerushalmi parallel, in Sanhedrin chapter 7, halakha 11. Or, he could have told Ben-Azai to find a better method. Instead, he jumps straight for his own faculties, showing that he thinks that this is a good, solid method in its own right. Secondly, the framing of the Gemara 
explicitly states that Rabbi Yehuda does not hold smichut in general at all, only in Deuteronomy, and even then only a handful of cases where he applies it are mentioned here. It doesn't matter that in this particular case the law is the same using either method, he doesn't think that the method ever works, even in cases where the law may be different. This is just one example of what I think is an often overlooked aspect of rabbinic halacha. Too often, people focus on the literary methods, on the minutiae, on the workings of the midrash machine, and forget that its applicability and its extent were not universally agreed upon, and often it's our God-given faculties of reasoning that should and do carry the day. This caricature of all rabbinic halacha being based on the midrash machine is not only inaccurate, as I think you can see on this stuff, but it is also insulting to the sages who made it and to Jews today who follow it. While treating the Torah as the word of God means that we certainly do have to pay attention to every word in all its minute detail, such as which verses are placed next to each other, however, as the word of God, it must also have some underlying reasoning that is accessible to us, allowing us, for example, to learn laws topically, even while they're spaced books apart but the law regarding mediums is probably the same as the law regarding sorcerers. To say that it doesn't is to assert that there is no logic to God's commandments. And that seems to me to be the greatest insult of all. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epichorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.